This is a Queensland Department of Education podcast. In uncertain times, as we currently have with the COVID-19 pandemic, it is important to look after ourselves. With a return to Term 2 and the challenges this new way of working and learning brings to our schools, corporate offices and communities, we often prioritise everything else above our own health and well-being. However, it's important that we recognise that looking after ourselves is not an indulgence. It is necessary to be able to continue to be effective and to support others over the long term. Hi, I'm Virginia Bowditch and I'm with the communications team in the department. To assist you to manage your current situation at work and at home and maintain positive mental health and well-being, a series of well-being topics have been covered over the past few weeks. All the podcasts will continue to be available through the Looking After Yourself page on one portal. This is the fifth of our Looking After Yourself series. Organisational health and wellbeing consultant Mike DeGuara joins me to discuss mental health and wellbeing. Hi, Mike. Hello, Virginia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Really well, thank you. So this is a very important issue? Yeah, it's one of the most important issues, isn't it, of our time? And it's important that we spend time looking after and exploring our own mental health and our well-being at this time. Yes. So how can we keep a positive lens during a crisis such as COVID-19? Well, if you found yourself feeling a little negative at different times as this current crisis continues, you're definitely in good company. But it's important to try to find a positive lens. It's to see things in a different way, a more positive way. It's much more manageable to face an adversity if we can at least find one or two positives to help us through. And it's easy to forget that we always have a choice as to the attitude that we adopt. Now, as a species, we're hardwired to see the worst case scenario. This is what psychologists call the negativity bias. We all have it, and it's a survival instinct. So the practice around it is to reframe how we're thinking so that we see the opportunities as well as the challenges. And this is about consciously finding the good side of the situation as opposed to feeling constantly bogged down by the negative. Some theories suggest that deliberately seeking positive emotions can counteract negative feelings and help us to recognize what is good in our lives. And this could lead to better sleep, feeling more calm, better relationships, and greater life satisfaction. Ultimately, positive emotions and optimism promote resilience in response to adversity, doesn't matter what the adversity is. And this may be useful as we continue to live and work in a new and changing environment due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And for two useful resources that people might want to explore to help them reframe their situation, try hunting the good stuff to balance that negativity bias that we've talked about and gratitude spotting, which comes from the field of positive psychology. Thanks. So where do we find these resources? If you search any search engine, try hunting the good stuff or gratitude spotting, and that'll take you where you need to go. Okay, just put them in a search engine. What exactly is mindfulness and how can it benefit our mental health and well-being? Well, it can certainly help us at this time. And the first thing to realise is that when the human mind is not actively engaged in a task, it wanders and it isn't happy when it's wandering. The mind wandering to the past 
may lead to self-criticism. And psychologists call this rumination. The mind wandering to the future can lead to anxiety about what the future holds. So mindfulness involves being fully and consciously aware of the present moment without judgment. And it has two elements. Firstly, attention to the present moment. And secondly, an attitude of acceptance. Practicing mindfulness has been shown in numerous studies over the last 40 years or so to decrease the size of the amygdala, which is that part of the brain that's responsible for the perceptions of emotions, such as anger, fear, sadness, as well as controlling aggression. It also increases the size of the hippocampus, that part of the brain which is involved in learning, among other higher functions. Practicing mindfulness is helpful in curbing that mind-wandering and creates greater capacity to respond instead of simply reacting to situations. But it's a skill that, like any other, takes practice to gain confidence and feel that it's actually helping you. And for more information on mindfulness, check out smilingmind.com.au and butterfly.com. So I've heard of the third space, but how is it connected with mental health and well-being? So this is the work of Dr. Adam Fraser, and it relates to the way in which we transition from one setting to another and from one role to another. Fraser describes that gap between, for example, what I'm doing now with you and my next activity as the third space. And in his study, he found that people who seem to flourish psychologically were those who managed that transition well. In our current environment, we may be juggling jobs, families, home-based learning, and facing mounting anxiety about health and finances. And as a consequence, we may be feeling stressed, isolated, and overwhelmed, which increases our risk of simply stumbling from one setting to the next without processing emotions or the chance to center ourselves. We inadvertently at times carry these thoughts and feelings from one activity to the next. Learning how to navigate life's turmoils and transition well can improve our sense of psychosocial well-being. Fraser recommends using the third space to transition between work, where we need to be task-oriented and efficient, to home, where we need to be connected and relaxed, to show up at home and be the person we and our loved ones want us to be. People can search Adam Fraser or The Third Space to learn more. What can we do to minimise any risk to our mental health? Is there anything that we can do? Yeah, there's lots of things that we can be doing all the time, but we need to realise that our mental health is fluid. It changes constantly, sometimes hour to hour and day to day, and it's shaped largely by a combination of genetics and the environment. So although we can't control our genetic makeup or our history, our daily behaviour and outlook has a significant impact on our ongoing well-being. Now that is something that is in our control. We've spoken previously of the impact of our attitude or our approach to our mental health. So being aware of factors that may place us or others at risk of poor mental health can actually help us to monitor and take care of ourselves at this time. So some things that actually increase our risk of poor mental health includes, number one, personal history or a family history of mental health issues. That's the number one predictor of poor mental health. Other risk indicators include serious injury or a chronic illness, 
potentially exposure to psychological trauma, prolonged exposure to stress, the combination of excessive job demands and low control, and erosion of those self-care activities that are so important to maintaining good well-being and mental health. And it's useful to be mindful of the warning signs of deteriorating mental health. And the obvious ones, of course, are feeling depressed or anxious, and perhaps avoiding situations or activities that we once enjoyed. But we can all actually enhance our sense of well-being by maintaining regular exercise and having good nutrition, for example, having a regular sleep routine, maintaining an optimistic outlook like we've discussed today, making time to do things that we enjoy and that nurture us, and some form of reflection, be that meditation or mindfulness, for example. But the number one predictor, the number one thing that we can do to enhance our well-being is to seek social support from friends, family and colleagues. And where can people go to find out more information on mental health and well-being? Well, for counselling and support services in response to COVID-19, I'd suggest people keep Beyond Blue and Lifeline in mind, and of course, your own GP. Now, on top of that, Black Dog Institute have recently launched a Settling Your Mind series of webinars. The webinars highlight resources and supports. And in addition, Black Dog Institute recommends a number of quality digital mental health tools currently available that may help. Now, keep in mind that only a small number of digital tools are actually supported by evidence-based research. Visit blackdog.org.au. For information on what services are available for Medicare-subsidised telehealth during COVID-19, visit the Australian Department of Health Medicare Benefits Schedule website. And that's mdsonline.gov.au. If you're concerned about your own mental health or that of an immediate family member, contact our employee assistance provider, LifeWorks, on 1800 604 640. And finally, all the information that we've been sharing in these podcasts is available to staff on the department's staff wellbeing page on one portal. So search either staff wellbeing or looking after yourself during COVID-19 to find all this information at your fingertips. Thanks for your time, Mike. I think you have provided some really useful tips that all of us can learn from. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, Virginia. You have been listening to a Queensland Department of Education podcast.